everybody. Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1. Um, our pastor, Pastor Jake, is not with us today. He is on vacation, um, getting some time away with his family, getting some recharge, some comfort. Always miss him when he's here. If you are a guest with us today, um, I say this every time I preach, do not let me impact your thoughts of this church. Unless they're positive. If they're positive, impact. If they're negative, I'm just the youth pastor. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just... Wait for Pastor Jake to come back and uh, come back and hear him, meet him. Um, he's the heartbeat of this church and outside of Jesus Christ, of course, but come back, hear him. Romans chapter 1. I, do you guys remember this show? I remember this was like a, I don't know, when I was like a little kid, the show How It's Made. Remember that show How It's Made? You remember when they made the, the Chicken Nugget episode and everybody like freaked out? The How It's Made, when they were like showing what was in Chicken Nuggets. And then they did the hot dogs and I still love hot dogs. I still do love hot dogs, but... Um, I'm going to give you a little sneak peek into how it's made when it comes to, when I write sermons, I, I always, I write a sermon, get my thoughts, or devotion, whatever it is, I get my thoughts written out, I look at it, at the very end of a sermon, I always ask myself two questions, two questions, then I ask myself them right before I preach, because I get a little insecure, I ask myself two questions, does this make any sense, right, does this make any sense at all, hopefully it does, second question I ask is, does this matter, does this matter, like is this worth um, me, you know, putting the hours into study? Is this thought? Is this, you know, what I believe God is telling me to preach? Is this worth you guys coming here, giving up time, sitting through me, um, talking for 40 minutes? Is it, is it worth it? Um, does it make sense? Is it worth it? Now, the last time I was writing a sermon, I kind of let that thought um, marinate a little long. I was like, is it worth it? Um, is it worth it to you know, to, to work on sermon, is it worth it to pre, is it worth it, and, and I kind of thought through, I kind of worked through, and I got to this thought, um, a dangerous thought, but a thought that, you know, I think we all need to get to, is, uh, is church worth it? Do we need church? Do we need church? Because um, we spend a lot of time in church, right? I know I do, I know many of you do, I've spent, um, I've been in church my entire life, we did revivals like every season. I mean, I've spent a lot of time in church and church services. And uh, I've actually never had a period of life where church was not required for me. Because I went to church. I, my parents always required it. I went to a college that required church attendance. And now, obviously, they make me come here, too. Um, <laughs> so I've always been required to go to church. And I, I started asking myself that question, do we need church? You guys ever hear, um, like, maybe, like, when you were in school and they, uh, there's, like, a school day. Right, right now, I feel like. They've te really been out of school for two and a half weeks, but school doesn't actually get out until Friday. They're just like, no one's going because of exams. But they feel like uh, there's, you know, you have to go to church, but then you find you have to go to school. But then you find out you really don't have to go to school. And you're like, but do I really have to go? And they're like, uh, you know. And then you don't go. It's kind of like exciting. Well, I started asking myself the question, do we really need church? And I was like, do we? I was like, I spent a lot of, it'd be kind of nice to have some free time. You know, I'm like, do we really need church? Well, God has a way of answering your questions, which is just a really, um, something I'm very thankful for because I ask a lot of questions, a lot of silly questions, a lot of dumb questions, a lot of, a lot of questions that I need answered. And I've, believe it or not, I've never asked a question that God hasn't answered. And uh, he did that again. And the question I was asking was, do I need church? Because for so long I, I grew up just going to church. I was never absent from church. And uh, we'll get there eventually. But um, <laughs> I was never absent from church, so I kind of felt like, um, you know, it's like when you drink water every hour for your entire life, you don't really realize the need, the, the, the need of thirst. And I was kind of like, man, do I, do I need church? Well, I was reading um, in my devotions one day, and I, I think 
the Apostle Paul answers that question. And that's what I want to look at today in Romans 1. Um, the book of Romans is an awesome, awesome book. It, it, the book of Romans is really the fullest expression of theology um, that we're given in the New Testament. It's not a complete theology, but it's really Paul's greatest effort in conveying his theology to, to, to us and to the churches of Rome and the believers back then. Um, this book was written well, it's the earliest epistle that Paul wrote in the terms of when you're flipping through your Bible, but it's written in the third um, missionary journey of Paul. He's already a well-seasoned Christian, a well-ministered Christian. He's done things. He's seen things. He knows God on an intimate level. He writes this book um, to the church of Rome. He has never been to Rome. He's never um, visited these churches, but he knows the people there. The reason he knows the people there, this is all just backstory, but the reason he knows the people there is because there was a Jewish exile in the churches of Rome. The, 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 the government in Rome kicked all the Jews out, and all the Jews left Rome and scattered throughout kind of the Roman Empire at the time, and um, they were Christians, so as Christians, they sought out churches. So the Roman, the Jewish Romans, um, found other churches throughout the Roman Empire, and that's where Paul knows these people from. So he's writing to them as someone who has never been there, never ministered um, in this specific church setting, but he does know many of these people. And a lot of the book of Romans is about that the conversation of the Jews and the Gentiles and the righteousness of God and what that looks like. And there's just, it's packed full of great theology. Um, but we're not going to talk about the theology part tonight. Uh, well, a little bit kind of, but um, we're going to get into this verse. Now, they, the chapter starts, we're going to read 1 through 15 in chapter 1. It starts with kind of Paul's generic, um, not generic, I don't want to say generic, but his normal kind of entrance to an epistle. And uh, we'll start reading verse 1, and then our text is really found in, uh, starting in verse 8. It says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated uh, unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now pause, that is Paul introducing his letter, okay? Paul is introducing his letter, this is a long letter, this is a, a quick little epistle, he says Thank you for all you've done. We're here because of Jesus. This is all for Jesus. This is all because of the gospel. And now what our text is going to be is really his not introduction to the letter, but kind of his introduction to what the letter actually says, um, if that makes sense. Verse number eight says, first, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ that you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Remember, this faith is spoken of because the Jews have spread the, the fame of the Roman churches and the faith that they held. Verse number nine, for God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. Verse number 11 says, for I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift that ye may, that to the end ye may be established, that is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, as among other Gentiles. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much to me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Paul said this, I long to see you. I long to see you. He said, I long 
to have fellowship with you. I long to have community with you. I love, I long to have you and me together. He longed for it. This wasn't just a, I want this. It wasn't just, it's been nice. This wasn't just, I'd like to see this happen one day. He said, no, no, I've longed for it. That's a heavy word, long. It's a word that Paul used often, but it's a heavy word to long for something. You got, think of something you've longed for. Think of your life. Think back in your life. The, the emotions that come when it's longing for something. I remember when, we, uh, when I went to, to college, we had a very weird rule that um, we, we finished classes on like Thursday, but we couldn't leave until 5 a.m. the day after graduation, which was always on Monday. So we'd had finished class on Thursday, and then we'd just sit there until Tuesday morning at 5 a.m. And, of course, we would never pack or clean or do anything until after graduation that night. Um, so we'd stay up all night, and we would literally pack our cars and sit in our cars and wait for 5 a.m. to leave. You know why? Because we longed to get out of there and go home. We longed for it. It wasn't just, yeah, it'd be nice to leave. It wasn't just, yeah, I'll clean up. I'll pack up when I get to it. No, no, no. It was as soon as I can, as soon as I'm able, I want to go. Paul said this, as soon as I'm able to be with you, I want to be with you. He longed for them. He longed for them. So I want to ask you this. And this is kind of the, the thought of the, of the sermon, the thought of the morning. Have you ever longed for church? Have you ever longed for church? Maybe you haven't. And uh, the point of this sermon is not to get you too longed for you full of Baptist church. Um, I'm not trying to get you to love you full of Baptist church. I'm not trying to get you to be here 30 minutes early with a smile and sign up for ministry, although that is kind of part of my job. And if you want to do that, that would be great. But uh, I'm not, that's not really the point of this um, necessarily. Um, but the point of this sermon is to tell you and to show you in Scripture that you need me and I need you. And that church needs you and you need church. That is what I want to convey. I didn't say the church wants you. I didn't say the church would like you. But that the church needs you. And if you go to staff meetings all throughout the country, all throughout churches, all throughout denominations, it doesn't matter. You will find a common theme. And that is staff Church staffs looking for ways to show people that they are wanted. Wanted. And the reason, you know the reason why they do that? Is because people need to learn it. They need to know it. Because people feel unwanted. So, simple thought. I need you and you need me. You need church and church needs you. So what exactly do we need? What exactly do we need? Paul lays it out for us uh, beautifully as always. Verse number 11 is where we get our first point. It says, for I long to see you. I need to see you. I desire to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. The first, the first thought, the first point is you need to give and you need to be given to. You need to give and you need to be given to. Paul longs to see the church the church families at Rome, this is multiple churches spread throughout Rome, so that he can give them, serve them in the giftings that he has been given, right? Romans 12 says this. If you want to flip there, it's okay. If not, Romans 12, 4 says this. For we, this is Paul speaking later on about this exact thought of giving his spiritual gifts. Verse 11 says that to give you a spiritual gift. He says, for as we have many members in one body, this is Romans 12, 4 through 8, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another, having the gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy, according to the pro 
to the proportion of faith or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Paul is saying that God has given me, given me, gifts, ways to serve you. And he's not saying, I have to serve you. He's not saying, I I get to serve you. He's saying, I am begging to get to you so that I can give to you what Christ has given to me. Do you you see see what I'm saying? He's been gifted with spiritual gifts so that he could go to these churches and give them to them. Now, this is not speaking of the book of Romans. The, the, the gifts that he's given, it's not talking about the book of Romans. He's given the book of Romans now. He's saying this, I'm giving you this now, but I can't wait to give you face-to-face ministry one to another. And the reason he gives it is said as well. Paul wants to give of himself for a reason um, that the church and the believers will be, what the Bible says, established. He says, to the end that ye may be established. Or if you want to think of another word for established, think strengthened or rooted, um, grown. He says this, I have been given gifts so that I can give them to you. Not just that you can have them, not just that you can experience them, not just that you can feel better about yourself or have a better day than you were having before, but so that you can be strengthened. That's how we strengthen one another. That's how we strengthen one another. Now the reality is Paul was given gifts, man, right? When we read, he's 13, 14 epistles, all throughout the books, preacher, one of the greatest Christians to ever live, he was given gifts, but the reality of life with Christ is we all have been given gifts. We all have been given gifts. And our gifts are all different, yes, but the gifts that we have, we have them nonetheless. So, think of it like this. The reason your faith, the reason whether you're strong or weak, the, many of us are strong Christians in here, the, re- the reason that your faith is the strength, has the strength that it has is yes, because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. The gospel of Jesus Christ is strong. He saved you. It didn't just save you. He sanctified you. He's made you into the Christian you've become. However, as well as Jesus Christ, many have come alongside you and strengthened you through their spiritual giftings. Can we agree? Can we think of those people? Think of the people who have strengthened you spiritually. I could give you names, uh, Ryan Alfiero, Tyler Courtright. I could give you names all through my life of people who have come alongside me and given of themselves so the fact that I could be strengthened, right? This is the Christian life. This is the Christian life. So I want to ask you, you have been strengthened. Who have you strengthened? See, the reality is many of us are chocked full of spiritual gifts, and we sit in church, we sit in life week after week, month after month, after month year after year, and we're hoarding the gifts and the abilities that the Lord has given you instead of using them to strengthen those around us. That's what we do. Now, I want to get real. I'm not just going to say, uh, you know, use them for your church, sign up for ministry. I'm talking about the people sitting right next to you. We are in church. This is our church family. You have been given gifts and ability that the person sitting next to you needs. Needs. Not just wants, not just desires. Needs. They need it. They need you. So what are you doing about it? See, honestly, every area of life illustrates the fact that people must come alongside of us for strength to happen. And Paul says it just, just again. He needs to give so that he can be strengthened. And as he's given, he is being strengthened as well. So identify what your spiritual gifts are. Identify your giftings. Many of us um, have no idea the talents and abilities God's given us. And the reason we have no idea is because we've never 
Try to find out. So find out. Identify the way that God has given, give, gifted you. And then look for opportunities to use those giftings. Not just to see what, the, what happens in life, what happens in my life especially. God's given me talents and abilities. And you know what? I use my talents and abilities. But you know what I use them on? Me, my family, maybe my income, maybe the, the things that are easily beneficial to me. And what's happening is I'm using all the gifts that God's given me for my own selfish desires. And I'm hurting my church family by hoarding them to myself. But you've been given gifts. Are you using them? Are you using them? Maybe you've had a time in your life where you used them somewhere else. So many of us have come from other churches. Many of us have come from other walks of life, other denominations, whatever it is. Maybe you had, a, maybe you had uh, periods of life where you were giving, you were serving, you were using the spiritual gifts that God gave you. But now, where are they? They're still inside you and God is still calling on you to use them. And I need them. I need them. I need them. Verse number 14, you know why I need them? You know why I need them and you know why you should give them? You know why not just you should give them, but you need to give them? Verse number 14 says this, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. What he says is this, I owe everyone everything because of the gifts that I have received. And the gift that he's talking about is the gift of salvation that only Jesus Christ can give. And hopefully all of us sitting under here have received that gift. And you have been given a gift that is unmatched. You'll never be able to give anything like it. However, you've been given a gift and you are a debtor to all those around you to give of yourself. So give. Give. Give and be given too. One of the greatest things about church is not just the fact that you get to serve, but that you get to be served. All throughout the New Testament, you see Jesus and the disciples illustrating that for us. Jesus washing their feet and, Je and Jesus washing their feet, them serving Jesus. All throughout the New Testament, it's illustrated that in church, our job is to serve one another. But so many of us, our church life consists of sitting in church, coming in, sitting down five minutes before church, getting up right after church leaves, and that is church to us. And we're missing out on so many beautiful gifts that God has given us. You're missing out. You're missing out. I hate missing out. You know FOMO? I'm a big FOMO guy. No one's allowed to have fun without me. I hate missing out. So many of us miss out. So many of us miss out. And God has given us more than that. So Paul says this in verse number 15. I am ready to preach the gospel to you. So I want to ask you, are you ready? Are you ready to give? Are you ready to give of yourself? Because I need it. Not only do we need your gifts, not only do I need your gifts, I don't only do I need the spiritual gifts that God's given you, I need them in my life, my family needs them in their life, our whole church family needs them in their lives, but we need your comfort. We need your comfort. Verse number 12 says this, that, I, that is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. Paul longed for the church. Paul longed for the community of the church of Rome so that he could be comforted and comfort. Because the reality is Paul lived a life that was deserving of comfort, right? Can we agree? Think back of what Paul had gone through up to this moment, the, the life that he lived, the sacrifices that he made. This was a man who followed Jesus who needed people to come alongside him and strengthen him. And he looked for that. He sought for that. There are very few guarantees that I can give you about your life because we live all very different lives, right? I can't guarantee one thing here. But you know what I can guarantee for all of us? 
I can guarantee that you will face discouragement. It's like the guarantee of life. You will have moments, intense or not intense, of discouragement. When I was younger, not my best days, not my best days. Um, I was not a big worrier. In high, I'm still not a big worrier, um, but I remember when I was, I was 14 or 15, young high school, and uh, my aunt was going through some stuff. Her family, they were just going through some, some real life. I'm not talking about like, you know, they, their dog was sick. I'm talking like they were going through, which, hey man, if your dog's sick, I'm sorry, I'm praying for you. But they were going through like some real life stuff, some real concerning stuff. And I remember, I was 14 or 15, I walked up to her and I could just see the worry. She's a worrier, I'm, I wasn't. And I could just see the stress. And I said, hey, Angelie, I was going to impart my wisdom unto her, you know. That's my, that's my gift. Um, so I pulled her alongside. And I said, Angelie, you know, um, the Bible says all throughout to fear not, to worry not. And you know that your worry is actually sin. And uh, I was like, so I don't get it. She was like, in love, grace. She was like, you will get it one day. You know what? I do get it now. I do get it now. Worry is real. Discouragement is real. You will face discouragement. I'm sorry to all the people that I talked to when I was 14. I apologize for that. But the reality is, worry is real. Discouragement is real. And just as real as the discouragement of the world is, is the comfort of God's people. Just as real, just as strong, just as positive as the worry, the fear, the danger of life is the comfort of God's people. And you may not need comfort now, you may not need encouragement now, but you will. And the reality is you have already received it and you will need to receive it again in order to find comfort, in order to comfort others, in order to be comforted. What must you do? This is not a trick question. You must speak to one another, right? If Nick is going through something... I'm not, maybe, maybe he's got a pouty face on or something, but I'm not really going to be able to tell by just looking at him. And guess what? I'm not going to really be able to tell by just giving him a high five and saying, it's good to see you. Am I going to really be able to tell what's going on in Nick's life? Am I really going to be able to tell, am I really going to be able to offer him comfort through small talk? No. But you know what 99% of the conversation that goes on in this room is? Small talk. Now, hey, don't get me wrong. I love some small talk. I'm like a, I love small talk. I love talking small. But you are never, never going to be able to provide comfort or receive comfort if your communication is so shallow all the time. And once again, once again, as a church family, we miss out week after week, day after day, month after month, year after year, because our conversation is so minor, so small talk constantly. Now, I'm not saying you need to be like, you know, going through it every time we talk to everybody. However, you have the opportunity and you have the need to comfort one another. This is your church family. This is your body of believers. And if all your conversations are, are as, yeah, dude, it was raining yesterday, then guess what? You're never going to get comforted and you are never going to comfort someone else. I'm challenging you to move past small talk with your family. Imagine if you went home. Well, some of you do this, which that sucks. But imagine if you went home and every conversation you had with your wife, your husband, your kids was generic. No real conversation. No real, no, no real substance. That's no way to treat your family, right? Part of, your fam part of being your family is that there is substance to your relationship. Well, this is your family. Do you have substance in your relationships? Move past small talk. 
Paul needed encouragement. He wasn't going to get it by getting high fives and smiles, maybe a little bit, but he needed real substance relationships, and that's why he longed for Rome. That's why he sought these people out. So move past small talk. The lie that someone else will do the things that need to be done is a lie from the devil. Because when we say these things, right, we say, man, we need teachers. We, need, we go through spiritual gifts. We need encouragement. We need teachers. We need all these things. We listen. We say, well, someone else can do that, right? That's not really my, this isn't really my stage of life. This isn't really, you know, that's not really my gift. Whatever it is, someone else will do it. That is a lie from the devil. However, as, as, as much of a lie as it is, it is true because someone else will do it. You know what I'm saying? Like if you were to fall off the place of the earth, God forbid, the church will go on. You know what I'm saying? The, Christ builds his church. Things will be done. Lessons will be taught. I mean, we missed Matt last week. We missed Pastor Jake this week. Church still goes on. If you miss me, you wouldn't even notice. But church will still go on, right? Things will still happen. Things will still happen. However, what is Paul, what is Paul in, in Romans 12 when, he, when he's speaking? He calls the church members of the body. Members of the body. Um, if I were to remove a member of your body, a hand, an arm, a leg, whatever it is, you would still live. In fact, you could still be very productive. I, I know for a fact you could still be very productive without a member of your body, right? People lose arms, people lose legs, still live great lives, still do great things, still have awesome, awesome whatever. However, when you lose a member of your body, you are never getting all you could get. So I'm saying this. With If your church attendance, if your church relationships are shallow, small, church will go on. However, if you were a part of it, it would be bigger than it could ever be. And we are missing your contribution. Not only are we missing it, but we need it. Not only do we need it, we want it. So, give. Give. Not just financially, not just sacrificially. Give of yourself. Give of your giftings. Number two, comfort, because I need it. And we could go back to 14 again. We are debtors to all, so are you ready to comfort one another? Because I will need it. You will need it. The person sitting next to you will need it. But in order to do that, you have to move past small talk and tell the devil he's a liar. Now, number three, and we're wrapping up. Not only do we need your gifts, not only do we need your comforting, but we need your faith. Verse number 12 says this, that is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. The root of all of this, the root of the spiritual gifts, the root of the comforting, the root of the encouragement, the root of the longing is the fact that there is a mutual faith shared. In order to share your spiritual giftings, in order to share your comfort, we must first share a faith. So before we get into anything else, do you have that faith? You know, for I, I, I believe the reason why many people can miss church for months and months and months and be totally okay, the, the reason many people can never really lock into church, the reason many people can simply be church attenders and nothing more, is because they are lacking a mutual faith. A mutual faith. Because the reality is this. When a faith is shared, when a faith is shared and a community is not there, you know what you do? You long for it to be restored. However, when a faith is not shared and it's broken, you're okay. You're okay. You know why people, you'll, you'll see people, 
on Christmas and Easter. Love them. Thankful for Christmas and Easter. Because their mutual faith, it's not mutual. When someone's serious about the things of God and someone isn't, they may both be saved, but their faith is not mutual. So where is your faith? You know the reason why you feel like you may not need church? It may be because your faith is lacking. Your faith is weak. So do you have that faith? Do we share a mutual faith? One of the things the devil loves to do, and this is why we need each other, this is why we need each other's mutual faith, is he loves to isolate us and tell us lies. It started all the way back in Genesis 3. He isolated Eve. He told her lies. He began to have her question God's word. And what happens is when you isolate yourself from the people who share a mutual faith with you, all you're doing is allowing, inviting the devil to come into your life and tell you lies. And the reason faith gets torn down is because the faith was not mutual with someone else. But when faith is mutual, when faith is shared, when there's a bond formed and, can, and kept, and it's not shallow but it's strong, you know what happens? The devil cannot get in to a faith that is shared, a community that is shared. What it does is he isolates. So the way that we prevent that is by continually seeking out people with a mutual faith and living life together, longing for community with them. The reality of life is you can find giftings, you can find comfort in a lot of different places. It may not be the best, but you can find it, right? You can use your gifts at work. You can have people serve you. You can pay for whatever you want to do. You can live life the way, and you will still have people give you things, whatever. You can still share spiritual gifts together. In fact, you can still find comfort. There's lots of places to find comfort. However, there's only one place to find a mutual faith. And the mutual faith is what binds that all together. So I, 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 I wrote this sermon, and I started asking myself, you know, is this needed? Is this necessary? And I believe it is because church is needed. And it worries me. It worries me when people can go through life. And Matt, you can come up whenever. When go through life, go through church attendance, not realizing how vitally important they are to the process. And I'm just, I'm just uh, this is the heart of an assistant pastor. This is the heart of someone who, who deals with the ministry on a very real day-to-day -day basis who needs you, right? When I say I need you, I'm not talking flippantly. I legitimately need you or I may get fired. Like, I really need you. Like, I really need you. Um, I really, really need you. But I'm not coming to you just as a pastor. I'm not coming to you just as someone who's preaching on Sunday morning. I'm not coming to you as just some guy. I am coming to you as a member of Eufaula Baptist Church telling you, begging you, trying to make you understand how vitally important you are. And here's the thing. I don't just want a little bit, right? I don't just want to know you in passing. I don't just want a handshake. I don't just want a greeting. In fact, I want a mutual faith that allows us to serve one another, comfort one another, and share our faith together so that we can be strengthened and grown and more rooted in Christ. Because the reality is the way that we're grown, the way that, the, the reason so many of your faith, so not just yours, the, the reason my faith can become stagnant, the reason my, the church in America, the church in the world can become stagnant, the reason why faith can just, you have enough faith to get saved and then you have enough faith to sit through life, the reason that is, is because your service is stagnant. When all you do is receive your faith will not strengthen. 
When all you do is sit and participate, your faith will not grow. Your kid's faith will certainly not grow, but your faith especially will not grow. If all it is is a partaking, the reason why Paul longed for them, the reason why their faith was spoken of, we didn't even talk about that, the reason why their, their faith was spoken of throughout the world, the known world, the Roman Empire, was because these were people who were serving one another, who were comforting one another, and who, and who shared a strong faith. Paul ended it all. I love the way he ended it. In, in verse 15, he says this, I am ready. I'm ready. I am ready. Now, he didn't get to see him for a while, right? This was a letter he still went on for many more years. But he said this, I am ready to preach the gospel unto you. I'm ready to do all this. All the, all the life, all the discouragement, I'm ready for the comfort, all the spiritual gift. Man, it's tough to serve sometimes, but I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to go give. I am ready. So, you follow Baptist Church. Individually, as, multi, as, as much of a multitude this is, as individuals, are you ready to do just that? Are you ready to give of yourself? Are you ready to comfort one another? Because that's what church is. And you need it, and I need it. We do. It's not a want, it's a need. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the truths that you've given me, Lord. As I, in this study, I know I needed it, Lord. It's very easy. It's very easy to make church such a habit, to make church such a, a thing that we do. It's just a part of our culture. And a lot of times when things become parts of our culture, when things become part of our routine, we forget how much of a necessity they are. We forget how much we rely on them how much we need them. And in fact, many of us have never had a faith, a church relationship strong enough to even experience this. This sermon makes no sense to us because church has always just been a thing we did for a couple hours a week instead of a relationship with the body of believers who share a mutual faith. And as believers, Lord, as, as I know as a church member, I need these people. I need them in my own life. Help them to understand how much of a necessity their their life is, their services, their comfort is to me and to the people sitting directly around them. Um, help us not just to have shallow relationships, help us have real conversation, real relationships with those we know, those we love, so that we can comfort each other, give to one another, and uh, strengthen our faith. Um, we love you. In your name we pray. Y'all go ahead and stand. We're going to have a time of invitation. You need to do something out at the altar. If you need to pray, we've got people who need prayer. Um, come do business with God. Matt's going to sing a verse, and then we